Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. And Dyson's here. And this is Dark Adaptation. What's that? Can you speak up? Ten thousand, ten thousand. Ten thousand what, may I ask? I'm very excited because Dyson, guess what? What? We reached ten thousand. Sorry, that was shrill. We reached ten thousand old-time downloads. Yeah. Isn't that so exciting? That is very exciting. It's so exciting, guys. Oh my god, thank you so much. I'd like to thank the Academy and my cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the boss. The boss. That's just so cool. 10,000 all-time downloads, guys. That's amazing. And and literally, like, that's that's just because people keep coming back and listening. Mm-hmm. So we must be doing something, like, kind of right, you know? People kind of dig it. I th- I think they they are at, at least lukewarm to the idea of dark adaptation. At least, right? At I least. Mean, we do say you're sure to be informed and intrigued yeah. and always entertained. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess all three of those things are working. Thank you, 10,000, 10,000. I don't want to brag, but I'm just excited. I'm not bragging. I'm just excited. Yeah. (laughs) It's great to have so many people listening. It's so cool. Yeah. And then we're just going to spin this. 10,000 cool. Congratulations us. Anyway, that's quite a few downloads. So if you haven't rated the show yet, why don't you just go rate it five stars? You're here. You've been here. You've given us 10,000 downloads. You've been here the whole fucking time. Have you? Who let you in? Who are you? We appreciate you anyway. Yeah. Just yeah. go. Just it's three seconds. Okay, ready? We'll pause for you. Just hit five stars. Okay, thank you. Go now. Okay, cool. Did Thanks. You, you appreciate that, it. Right? You did yep. it. Yeah. Thank you. You know what else is exciting? What? Um. Uh, well, we have patches. We've got our patch. Beautiful patch. Like, how annoying is that? <laughs> yeah. We got a new dog named Patches. Aw. That would be kind of cute. That would be kind of cute. But he has no patches. He's just, like, perfectly slick. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he mooses his hair. He's, <laughs> <laughs> like, one of those 1920s gangsters. Cute. Yeah. Real rough neighborhood. Shouldn't have adopted him. Adopted. Adopted. All right, David Spade, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the patches. Um, I wanted to say a big thank you to Stephen from Spoils of Horror because horror because he bought a patch. Yeah, you were so excited when that, that little, we get a little bell notification when oh that happens. Oh my God, yeah, a little notification that comes through like, uh, Bonjour, someone has bought a patch from you. It doesn't say Bonjour, but. You know. It also, also doesn't have a British accent. <laughs> that one. Okay, well, I'm just really. That's just such a fucking complex. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. Would you like some tea and crumpets? I'm not Maybe French a baguette. A baguette. I don't know. Don't I'm know having... what character this is. Oh, I've got identity crisis. <laughs> okay, just Stephen. Sorry, that was bad. Thank you, but thank you. Just hope you love it. It's been sent to you, so just like shout us out when you get it. I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah. 
And all of you can go and buy a patch too. You know, we got a website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. Or you can just go to our Instagram, Dark Adaptation Podcast, because there's a shop on the store. There's, yeah. a, there's a shop on the store. There's a shop on our page. Account. Fucking hell. <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't. I just got so excited about 10,000 downloads, I didn't go. Welcome to episode 29. There we are. So, hi everyone. This is episode 29. It's the first episode of August. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are lucky. There's five Mondays in August. So there's yeah. five episodes for you this month. Oh. Oh. Ah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. This this episode, though, to in, you know, like, in a, just the overall theme of our show where we kind of switch things up. It's like, what week, what week is this? I don't know. Is it going to be a true crime case? Is it going to be a haunted place? Is it going to be a disaster? Well, to celebrate 10,000 downloads, I thought that we would go back to our roots. Mm-hmm. Where we started with our OG episode, The Sea Orphan, and that which was a survival story. Yeah, I love that episode. That was such a good first episode, it was too. So like, strong. God damn. We came out the gates just swinging. Like, <laughs> just swinging it. Yeah. <laughs> just swinging at every listener we saw. Listen to us. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> Meanwhile, at that point, listeners were like my siblings and my mom. <laughs> which they're all still here. Love you. Yeah. Thank you, day one OG fans. God. It's, it's still wild to, i'm still on the ten thousand thing but it's still wild to me back then we had like you know in a month i think like our first month we got like 40 listens yeah it was, I and think, then yeah and then now it's like 1500 a month Aww. yeah that's crazy you guys, guys are crazy i love you guys thank you it's just so <laughs> it's so beautiful <laughs> Okay, back to our roots. Yeah. Survival story. This is the um, pretty wild survival story of a fucking badass lady named Danelle Ballinji. Um, she, well, you know what? Let's just get right, I'll just get right into telling you a bit about her so that you know who Danelle is, set the scene a bit for who we're dealing with, and uh, get into the crazy wild survival tale. Yeah. Who the fuck's Danelle? <laughs> Well, you want to learn a bit about her life? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Danelle Ballinji. She was born July 21st, 1971. She's a, she's a Leo. She was born in Harbor City, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles, California. So she is a multidisciplinary endurance athlete, and she specializes in nature raids, snowshoeing, and sky running. With, uh, she has 11 career wins under her belt. Holy fuck. I know. And she's run races through the desert, in canyons, mountains. Like, she's, she doesn't give a, a shit. She's like, what terrain are we talking about here? Uh, in the desert, in, in a canyon, in a mountain, out in the snow, in the Arctic? Fine, let's do it. This just sounds like someone with, like, a f- picking a fight with their own body. She's, and she, she's like, I'll win, though. Yeah. yeah, she's like, where we're going to go. <laughs> so, yeah, a multidisciplinary endurance athlete. So, multidisciplinary, obviously, disciplined in a few things. Endurance, like mm-hmm. you're saying, picking a fight with your own body. Yep. And athlete. So, she's she's just out there living her best life and abusing her body, but showing it to who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, she played soccer, and she also gave volleyball a try, but... 
that didn't last long. It was like really short lived. Um, the coach that she had on her volleyball team said that she was too small to play sports, like especially okay. volleyball. They were like, "Okay, she's gonna be tall for the net." Yeah, you're tiny. You can't play this sport. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Whatever." So she, um, as a teen, she moved on to running. So she started with like cross country running, and she loved it, and she took it very seriously. Uh, she went to the University of Colorado in Boulder to study kinesiology and biology. So she's also wicked smart. Mm. While she was in Boulder, she started working as a fitness coach and she began competing in the sky running, um, in the sky running, or, or just think in sky running. Sorry, I added a there. <laughs> so sky running is running up mountains. Oh, good fucking God. Yeah. So I know I mentioned that in the first paragraph. I'm already tired. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm tired sitting on this sofa because I'm a lazy ass couch potato. And she's like, (laughs) she's like, what else can I do? Cross country. I like soccer. I gave volleyball a try. Okay. Sky running. What's that now? Running up mountains. Beautiful. Let's do it. Cool. A little easy for me, but let's do it. Um, Yeah. She probably would be like, "Mm, this is easy. So in 1994, she participated for the first time in the Pikes Peak Marathon and won, which is a a sky running competition. And Pikes Peak is like these, um, it's a mountain in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, there's a marathon for this sky running? Okay, let's give it a try. And she won the first time that she did it. Jesus. Uh, So I'm just going to go quickly through some of her like wins and challenges and stuff to show how just absolutely badass this woman is and why her reputation reputation what well, her reputation proceeds her Perse- <laughs> that was great thank you <laughs> so yeah i was gonna talk quickly about like some of her wins and like the challenges she's been through just to show like why this woman is so legendary so i talked about how she did that pike's peak marathon which was the sky running for her first time in one and that was in 1994 And also in 1994, she participated in her first winter triathlon where she discovered snowshoeing competitively. And she's like, yo, I dig this. This is pretty fun. I'm good at this because she's good at everything. And she goes to the Netherlands to participate in an international competition, which she also wins. When uh, she wins that, she then goes on to compete in her first North American race and wins that, becoming the 1994 champion. Mm. So snowshoeing so she just fucking just wins everything she's like i should try this and then she's like the best of the best and just is like a champion so in other words like if if you're like gearing up for a marathon and you see her step up to the line just go home <laughs> just go home just save yourself the pain <laughs> she, she, oh danelle is here womp, womp. yeah she's just gonna run I'm a leaving. circle around you and then just leave <laughs> Between 1997 and 2001, she took part in more than 100 snowshoe races, and she won all of them. Snowshoeing? (laughs) That's what I've been talking about. Snowshoe races. It's just so funny as an image. It's hard. Yeah, I know. So four-year span, 97 to 2001, uh, more than 100 snowshoe races, won all of them. Mm -hmm. Wild. Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy, man. Danelle. Welcome back to TSN4. <laughs> On June 1st, 1997, she took part in the inaugural edition of the long distance duathlon. 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 How do you say that? Duathlon? 
I think it's duathlon. Because it's like triathlon, duathlon. Tri- yeah, okay, so two. Two, yeah. <laughs> Fucking dumb. <laughs> so that's... um. You it's a long distance uh, race and you do running, cycling, and then running again. Mm-hmm. So it's like three events, but it's only two. Yeah, it's um, only two disciplines. Event. Thank you. Yeah, I'm having a hard time with my mouth today. My words are all like blim blim. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the inaugural edition of that long distance duathlon. Duathlon. Yeah. So this duathlon was for world championships this is the world championships on the world stage baby yes the world stage stage <laughs> and it was in zolfingen <laughs> switzerland right as you're like these words are hard you're like zolfingen <laughs> <laughs> struggling we also haven't recorded in so long because we the last time we recorded in my apartment was on canada day weekend so oh, a yeah. month ago yep and then um, we recorded up north with staff. We did one episode, but that was like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, we're, we're trying. We're getting in a groove again. Yeah. yeah. God, it was a nice break, but Jesus, you put in so much work to load up all those episodes. <laughs> and just each week just had to record and that was it. Or uh, edit and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but you know what? I'm finishing up my first page here. So like by the time I get to page two, I'll... I'll be good. I'll be good. We're gonna guys. get into that flow. Yeah. I also like really just like got all hype and blah, 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 riding a bike. Up about <laughs> it's like riding a bike. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, world championships in Switzerland, where she competed in this duathlon, and she ranked sixth, sixth overall, and the first American. I don't know how nice. many people were, competed. I should have looked at that, but I mean, it was world championships. So, like, there was people from all over the world competing. Mm-hmm. She was sixth overall and first place of the Americans. In 1998, she participates in Ironman New Zealand in Auckland and finishes seventh overall and first American again. Mm. And those were long distance duathlons, running, cycling, and then running. God, it's like a crowd at the start too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like you're, you're just seeing it. You're just looking at them all and you're like, God, you're just a pack of lemons. Oh, or yeah. lemons, lemmings. <laughs> Pack of lemons. <laughs> Both of us, man. So are you guys still here? 10,000. <laughs> we we lost them. They're gone. It's dropping as we speak. Sorry, we're trying our best, man. I hope that you're at least entertained. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in July 2000, Danelle took part in the inaugural edition of the Sky Games in Servinia, Italy, and she won bronze in the Sky Marathon and the Sky Bike. Right after these wins, she challenges herself to climb the 55 peaks in record time. And she begins her challenge on July, July 20th. While climbing her fifth peak, which is called Wilson's Peak, she has a panic attack, but pulls herself together to pursue her goal. So she's like, probably had that moment of like, whoa, I'm in over my head. Like, this is a lot. Like, 55 peaks. So mm-hmm. she's like, continuous mountain climbing. Yep. And she's like, no, you know what? I got this. I've done so much. I'm. This is the point. I'm an endurance athlete. I got to keep challenging myself. Let's. I've taken on snowshoeing and whatever else, and I find I'm great at it. So mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah. So she's like, 
I, I'm, I'm pulling myself together. She checks on. She's She faces like a bunch of really violent storms because she's just in the mountains. Yeah. Oh, God. But she just continues her journey and she finally finishes the 55th peak after 14 days, 14 hours and 49 minutes, having covered 480 kilometers or 298 miles and more than 45,000 meters or 147,000 600 feet oh of God, elevation. Fuck this so hard. She did it though. I know. In 14 days out there. <sighs> With a panic attack in the middle. Like, I would be freaking the fuck out day one. I'd be like, I have 13 more days of this. Yeah. And I mean, you don't even know how many days it'll take you. Yeah. So you're like, just sitting there going, I want to go home to my cat. <laughs> I know. Well, in this case, her dog, which oh. we'll learn about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're, you just, that's kind of what happens sometimes if you just sit there and you, you think about the whole task ahead of you. It's just so big sometimes. Yeah. So you could like freak yourself out. Super overwhelming. But like literally one step at a time, one thing at a time is like a real thing. Just mm -hmm. one peek at a time, Danelle, and she did it. <laughs> she did it. She did it. So trying to make a living from, you know, sport being an athlete, mm -hmm. she she was like, I'm good at this. I love doing it, but I have to like try and make some money too. So she discovered Nature Raids, which offers substantial victory bonuses. So she launched herself successfully into this sport too. Uh, her and her team win the raid The North Extreme in Canada in August 2004 after competing for three days, nine hours, 49 minutes, and 30 seconds. And with the same team, she goes on to win the raid world championship in Argentine Patagonia on December 13th. Oh. And for those wondering, a nature raid is, um, like I said, a team sport. And some of the, the most common disciplines that happen is you go out there with your team and you do like hiking, mountain biking, canoeing. Those are usually the main ones. Mm -hmm. So like you're literally out there raiding nature as a team and you have like an amazing race style objective of like, let's go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That'd be wild, especially up north. Fuck. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In February 2006, at the inaugural United States Winter Triathlon Championships in Breckenridge, Colorado, she finished half an hour ahead of her closest pursuer. Holy shit. Yeah. Should we, can you imagine? <laughs> imagine winning and then you wait 30 minutes for the next person. <laughs> like, you already drove home at that point. Yeah, you're already you're in like, your car. I guess I'll just leave, right? Like, I won. Like, I, I won, guys. I won. I just imagine her, like, it goes over to the hot dog stand at the end. <laughs> she's just eating it like Toby. Toby McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> A big giant victory bite. Yeah. In May 2006, she won the United States Rogaine Championships. In total, Danelle... Sorry, did you just say Rogaine Championships? Yeah. <laughs> like the air stuff? <laughs> Yeah, it like rogue roguing. Oh wait, <laughs> thin out the competition. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, the roguing championships. Nice. Um, I don't know why it's called that. I guess maybe they sponsored it or they like no, like it. it's a thing like ro like rogain like roguing. Oh, rogain. Here, let me see here. This is how you like we my god what is my exercise like 
hand to mouth full of chips. That's my exercise. I don't know what any of this shit is. I'm so out of my element. I've never heard of Rogaine in my life. Well, other than like Rogaine the hair restoring (laughs) solution. (laughs) Yeah. It's a um, a long distance cross country navigation. Rogaining. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This lady needs to chill. Okay. She's making everyone else look bad. I know. So she's she, at 11 100 percent of the time yes she is yeah so she actually won that the rogaining championship um <laughs> <laughs> rogaine championships in total danelle has been named u.s athlete of the year six times okay now she's just rubbing it in but this is so like this like it's so cool to like be able to tell the story of this woman who's like actually like unstoppable like, she's a badass she's u.s athlete of the year so it's just cool to like talk about a woman who's like essentially a superhero out here man yeah half an hour ahead of her closest pursuer yeah like wonder woman she's a yeah she's a wonder woman so a little like anecdotal sort of story uh from this guy named john marshall who is part of the grand county search and rescue so he was talking about his first time meeting danelle and he said that um, he was like at a a med booth. He was working um, at, at a med booth during this huge run, long distance run across the desert. So he said that he's at this med booth and Danelle just ran 60 miles across open desert in 115 degree weather. So that's Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. That's hot as fuck. Yeah. And uh, before that, she had got to the checkpoint. Um, she like comes running in and her feet are like blistered. Oh. She's completely dehydrated. She's kind of delirious because she just ran 60 miles yep. in this insane heat. And he was like, yo, like I highly recommend that we start an IV on you to get like some fluids back in. Um, Sorry, I just Googled what that is in Celsius. It's 46. 46 Celsius, yeah. Jesus That's Christ. so hot and desert heat. Ugh. I would throw up. Oh my God, yeah. I'd be like, Mil- milk was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> Put an IV in me, I'm curdled. Ew. <laughs> so I was like, dude, you need an IV. Like, you're so dehydrated. It, you got to get some your fluids up. And she's just like, uh, nope. I just want to drink and give me some duct tape. <laughs> so she takes the duct tape and she like tapes up her blistered feet and she just takes her drink and pieces out and keeps running oh yeah she's, she's just like, gone she's like, she doesn't no, care i don't care like i'm right out here i'm doing it so this guy john marshall he says quote this sets the scene for my involvement with danelle i learned from the get-go that this woman was hard as nails they say to be a great athlete first and foremost you have to be hard to kill danelle was hard to kill that's badass. That's fucking badass. It's so sick. Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your buddy? Do you like cracking jokes and having a good time? Do you just like fun? Well, consider checking out Spoils of Horror. We are an hour-long podcast that comes out every single week. We're not doing reviews. We're just going to hang out, talk about the movies we love with each other, and hopefully the ones you love, too. Covering everything from the popular, the lost, the forgotten, and the bizarre. If you're looking for a good podcast and a good time, you're going to want to check us out. We're on all major podcasting platforms, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Check it out. We'll see you there. 
So Danelle frequently went out with her best friend and constant companion, Taz, her dog. Aww. I said we'd come back to how she would go home to a dog instead of a cat. Yeah. So Taz is her dog. And they would go on like any anything that she was out doing. She's like, I'm going for a run. I'm going to go canoeing, whatever. Like, come on, Taz, let's go. And it was like her little best friend. Makes sense. Because she's like, she's going at like 11 and like, I think of. Uh, the Tasmanian Devil in Looney Tunes is also going at 11. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's so true. Yeah. Oh, the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah, just a whirlwind out there. And that dog probably was like, this is the fucking best, man. Yeah, I can't think of a better uh, pairing for for a dog than someone who does like outdoor like triathlons, yeah. duathlons. An endurance athlete. Row gaining. Little... <laughs> gaining, I know. An endurance athlete and her little poopy do. Yeah. So she got Taz from a puppy rescue and, and she said, quote, I remember going to the shelter and there was several puppies there. This one puppy stood out because he was hyper and energetic and liked to run around. And he had this real playful attitude about him that I liked. I sort of connected with that. I remember some other lady went up to Taz and was holding him. And I looked at this lady like, hey, that's my dog. But it wasn't my dog just yet, you know, but I just knew that he was the one. So I kept an eye on this lady while she was playing with Taz. And as soon as she set him down, I snatched him up and said, I want this one. There was something that drew me to Taz. I knew that he was the one for me. Dog snatcher. Dog, <laughs> dog snatcher. Dog grabber. <laughs> she's like, that's my poopy too. What are you doing, lady? So yeah, she's like, that's my dog. Adopted him that day. And then they had been like inseparable BFFs. Cool. So now it, we're going to get into... The sort of the day of when the crazy events happened. Okay. Which is the whole premise of this episode is Danelle's survival story. Mm. So it's December 13th, 2006. Danelle is just chilling at her house in Moab, which is in Utah. Uh, it's the, the winter season was approaching. So she wanted to like start training and getting in shape for snowshoe racing season. And she, was also, she also knew that she would be competing in some winter triathlons. So she's like... Um, I think I'll go on a run. And she would do this like two and a half hour run oh, uh, just for training. So just she had to keep the, the, the body going. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, I'm going to go on this two and a half hour run. I have my favorite loop in mind, which is this loop in the Amasa back trail. And she hadn't done it in a while, but it was one of her favorites. And she thought it'd be a good like starting point to like go back to a spot she loved. Okay. So, of course, she's like, I'm taking Taz with me, and we're going to go do my training run. We're going to go through Mob's back country. It'll be sick. And it's this this area is beautiful, but it is very – the train is very rugged, mm-hmm. and, like, very few people go out this way, especially so on this such, like, intense <laughs> loop of two and a half hours. Right. This is not an amateur's track. No, no, no. This is, like, you – you're in for it you're in for it like this is an intense track okay uh well loop it's not even like a track it's just kind of like double black diamond (laughs) all expert only yeah desert run um so on this day it was sunny and it was cool it's about 30 degrees fahrenheit which is minus one celsius um because it is december and she just shops shops in her truck. She drives out there. She's got her kayak strapped on the top of the truck because she's like, oh, you know, casually after my two and a half hour run, I think I'll go kayaking. 
<laughs> so of course. Yeah. So she's like, when I'm done this this loop, uh, late in the afternoon, I'll just take Taz out. We'll go kayaking. So she gets here to the Amasabak Trail. She's alone. There's no hikers. There's no bikers. No one is out there. It's just her and Taz. Uh, so she's about to just go out, start running. But last minute, she grabs her water bottle. And uh, she also decides to grab this small waist pack, which is like a runner's fanny pack, sort of. Okay. And um, it's just it was easier for her to just strap that on and put the water bottle in it instead of holding it. Mm-hmm. So the waist pack has two zipper pockets and whatever is inside of this thing is just, has just been left over from previous runs she went on. Okay. So she's like, whatever, strap it on, holds my water bottle. Let's go. So she heads out on her run. She has no idea that the next 72 hours will be the biggest endurance test of her life. Oh, so I had mentioned like this terrain is pretty rugged, so it's also beautiful. But despite that, it's hostile, it's dangerous. Um, at this point, so we're December 2006, in the last two months, no, sorry, in the last month, one month, two men fell victim to the terrain. Uh, they were found frozen to death in the bitter desert night. Ew. So search and rescue teams were called out regularly to rescue hikers in distress from this area. But it's Danelle. She's fearless. She's she's like, this is my favorite loop. What are you what are y'all talking about? Oh, and what, what a way to go. Like that's such a nightmare. Like, cause deserts get super cold at night yeah. and it's just barren land. Like you can't even like at least in a forest, you can like scavenge and scavenge, build shit try and, and build a shelter or something, but you're yeah. in you're in the desert. Like it's Moab. It's like it's this desert canyon. It's like, oh I'm s i am oh I'm maybe I'll just go collect some wood. Oh wait. Ooh, nothing. Nothing's here. There's, There's rocks. Nothing. I could go hug a rock for a while. And that that was like <laughs> in the past month. So it's only getting colder now at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So uh like it's Danelle, like I said, like she's like, I don't give a shit. It's my favorite loop. I'm fearless. I'm going out there. Mm-hmm. And remember, she's six times US athlete of the year. And she thrives on pushing herself to the limit in the most extreme environments. Like she's literally an endurance athlete. Mm-hmm. I just had to, to remind you all that she's six times US athlete of the year because that's fucking crazy. That's insane. <laughs> so Danelle says, quote, I was in pretty good physical condition that I could push myself to that limit of pain, but not go over it. It feels good. You get in a rhythm, a flow. I like the pain. She Most does. people just get tattoos, lady. <laughs> no, man. She likes that mental test. Mm-hmm. This um, training route that she's taking in uh, the Amasabak Trail, it isn't marked on any map. And the further that she goes out there, the further that she's headed into completely uncharted territory. Uh, but she, like I said, she's ran this loop before. She's very confident. She loves the spot. And Taz is just running ahead of her and she's keeping pace with him. And then suddenly her foot slips out from under her and she begins sliding down the side of the canyon. On an unmapped trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says, quote, I almost immediately knew that I was in trouble because it couldn't stop. I was moving fast at that point. And then the last 20 feet were this overhang, free fall. I definitely had time to see my life sort of spin around through my head and think about how maybe I wasn't going to see another day. And then boom. So she crashed on the ground. Okay. And it's like this, the ground is just like this ledge of the canyon. Um, so it's just like this lip on this cliff face, essentially. And when she falls, she lands feet first. 
and oh. just falls over onto her back. And it's like, it's a horrible fall. Um, so bad that the impact from her hitting the ground shattered her pelvis into pieces and uh. it severed her skeleton in two. Ah, mm-hmm. ew. Mm-hmm. That's painful as fuck. There's nothing but soft tissue connecting her legs to her body. Like it's oh severed. Oh my it. God. She's like jello. Yeah. Ew. So like she's, she's a fucking super athlete though. So she's just, she's just pumped that she is alive. Like she can't believe that she survived this huge fall mm-hmm. falling off like a cliff essentially. And so she just immediately goes into like this survival mode. And like, despite this absolutely horrific injur- injuries, her endurance training kicks in. So she's just determined to keep moving to, to just get out of there so she's laying there and she's like okay like obviously my legs are fucked so she takes her her hands and she just puts them on her legs to see if she can feel them Mm -hmm. because she's obviously very worried that she could be paralyzed yeah and she she knew that she wasn't paralyzed she could feel them she could feel um on her legs her hands were like gripping them and stuff so she knew that she was okay in in that regard okay so she's like okay so i'm not paralyzed um I can get out of this canyon then. I'm I'm going to get out of this canyon. I'm going to get back to my truck and then I can get help cuz ouch. My legs hurt. Yeah. So despite the fact that she literally also has a shattered pelvis, she tries to stand up and just run out of the canyon. Oh. <laughs> but her skeleton is in two and her legs can't support her body. She's still at 11. I love it. I know. She's yeah. Like, I don't care. I just fell off a fucking cliff. I'm going to run out of here though. Could you imagine if she was able to? Like, imagine just seeing that as, like, someone from the other side. You just see someone just drop and then just get up and start running. No, you'd be like, I'm not witnessing a real person right now. This is fucking Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would, you, you would be, like, Terminator. But she, like, she did try, though. She, she tried yeah, to stand she's, up. She's got the goddamn mind of Terminator, apparently. <laughs> just not the steel frame. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess kind of she does now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not Setting funny. every metal detector off. She's like, what? I'm an endurance athlete that, athlete that literally... Athlete? <laughs> I'm an endurance athlete. Oh, sorry, Danelle. I'm an endurance athlete that literally fell off a cliff. Yeah. Like, come at me with your stupid metal detector. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, her skeleton is severed in two. Like, she can't just get up and run out of the canyon like she wants to. And, like, she's just facing her worst nightmare at this point her legs are useless she's alone on this like ledge or a shelf Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it and also she's separated from taz because she just fell off a cliff like taz right yeah god knows where up there like where the fuck is danelle god it must be like when you throw a ball but you don't actually throw it and he's just like what right (laughs) mom wait a minute mom (laughs) mom So she's stranded in uh, 1,000 square miles of empty wilderness. Oh. Uh, But she knows that she has to get out of this canyon. The temperatures are cold. It was the middle of winter. She couldn't even stand up, let alone walk. So she's like, okay, I'll just drag myself out of here. So she just started to drag herself, just used her arms and pulled herself. Just army crawl on it? Essentially. But her pelvis is shattered and her skeleton is severed in two people, don't forget. And... I think anyone would be like in agony, excruciating agony. Oh, your for sure. Your pelvis is shattered. It's like the most painful thing to break, at, like in your entire body. It would ha- it's up there. 
I heard yeah. that your femur, your femur is yeah. painful too, but I would take my femur over my entire pelvis. I would too. Um, so yeah, most people would just be like in agony, like excruciating pain. But she's an athlete. She's been thriving off of pushing herself. Um, adrenaline surges, rushes, all of that. So like she because she's in survival mode, she gets this straight up like adrenaline surge, which is masking the pain. Mm-hmm. So she's coping like pretty well. Um, she's just inching herself out of here, dragging herself. But then she faces a new problem that she got disoriented on the fall. And so she doesn't know exactly what direction she should be going in. So oh. she has no idea also if there is even a safe way off of this ledge. Right. But she is laying there like okay trying to kind of ground herself like what way should i move visualizing this place in her head because it's her favorite loop so she does kind of know the terrain Mm -hmm. and while she's thinking about like fuck like what way should i go taz appears oh so he comes running up to her yeah he found her and danelle is just fucking elated she is pumped he's like somehow found his way down to her so she she's pumped because she doesn't have to be alone and it also means that there's a way out because because Taz found her. Mm-hmm. So she's like, sweet, you found me. That means there's a way out of here. So she's going to use Taz as a guide. So she starts dragging herself along the edge in the direction that um, he had come from, hoping that it would lead down the canyon and she could make her way out. Mm-hmm. So with incredible determination, she drags herself off of the ledge and does make it to the bottom of the canyon and now her next step is like, okay, I have to now get myself to my truck. Right. It has taken like so much of her her strength and energy to uh, drag herself off the ledge. So the adrenaline surge that she was experiencing is wearing off. So the pain is starting to take hold. Mm-hmm. And it it took all it started to take all of her energy to even move an inch. And then the pain would be so bad that she would have to regroup and try again. So she'd be like, fuck, this hurts so bad. Okay, just do it. Pull herself an inch and then be like, oh my God, that sucked. And then spend minutes like catching her breath essentially. Yeah. And then another inch. You could, I imagine you could put yourself into like shock so bad you could kill yourself doing that. Oh, I bet. But like, she's insane, man. Like you said, she's she's just Wonder Woman out here. Yeah. So as the adrenaline is wearing off, she is starting to to realize how much pain she is in, so how bad her injuries are. She's getting really nervous because it's taking so long to move, and mm-hmm. she wants to reach safety by nightfall because the sub-zero temperatures at night could kill her. Like, mm-hmm. remember, two men already froze to death overnight in yeah. the past month. Yeah. So she's starting to get exhausted. Her energy is slipping away, but then she remembers that she has that waist pack on. Right. So I had said she did not know what was inside of this because she didn't care. Her plan was to just shove her water bottle in there. So she had something to hold the bottle. She didn't have to hold it while she was running. So uh, there was the two zippers. So she opens one and there's this gel pack or a sugar pack, whatever you want to call it. And it's literally just that, like a bunch of sugar that endurance athletes bring with them on like runs or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, just to provide like some energy. So she eats one of these packs and while she's eating this little sugar pack just to try and like, oh God, like she literally drained her whole energy moving an inch by inch by inch. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hey, I'll just like 
enjoy this little sugar pack. She's pondering. <laughs> it's delicious. It's so good, <laughs> but I'm sad. <laughs> so she's eating it and pondering. Like this task ahead of me is huge. I, I'm my progress is so slow. It's excruciatingly slow. I'm in, ex in excruciating pain. And she says, quote, at one point I looked back at my tracks and I could just see where I dragged myself. It took me probably two and a half hours just to get to the bottom of the canyon, dragging myself inch by inch. The canyon that took me maybe two or three minutes to walk up. Oh, no. Yep. So, because remember, like, she had been... So it's not, a, it's not a good plan anymore. No, she's like, it took me two and a half hours to crawl. Yep. Like two or th whatever, two or three minutes to walk up. Like how long would it, t if you're her and you're walking two, three minutes, like, what is that? Maybe like 200 feet? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So like, maybe not even, but you're Danelle. It's hard to say. She's just surprised she didn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, elite, like, so she is starting to get in that sort of scared moment. Like she would have had when she was, um, doing the 55 peaks, like having that panic of like, whoa, what is that? What kind of task is ahead of me? This is a huge task. Mm -hmm. But she's comforted by Taz, who is still with her this whole time. So she's like, at least I'm not alone. Like, that's good. At least I'm not alone. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. Uh, it, 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 it is really terrifying because now by this point, the sun is starting to set. Yeah. And the temperature is dropping and the daylight is quickly disappearing. And like she realizes like, okay, it's really unlikely that I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of this canyon before nightfall. Mm -hmm. Despite like, the amazing efforts that she put in, she's still like really far from safety. Mm -hmm. So it took her five hours to drag herself off the ledge and into the bottom of the canyon. And... She's exhausted and she has no choice but to stop for the night. And she's aware that in the freezing cold darkness, her chances of survival are low. Right. And she had said about this quote, it was comforting to have Taz there. And I knew if there was to be something out there, say a coyote or something that was coming into the canyon, that he would be able to bark and scare any wild animals away. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, also, I will, like, throughout this, have, like, a lot of quotes, especially by her. Mm -hmm. um, it, oh, I forgot to mention it, but a lot of this information um, about the actual event came from a show called I Shouldn't Be Alive, and she was featured on that show. And so it's good research, um, a good piece of information, because she's literally telling her own story. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, ideal. Do you think that that candy pack that she ate, <laughs> the sugar she, pack. she can't eat it anymore? I bet. No, you know what, though? It's Danelle. She's probably like, fuck that. It's delicious. It's just sugar. I'm just eating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe like at first, maybe when she, like later on when she would go to, to eat it, she'd probably maybe have a little bit of like a whoop. You remember the last time I ate this? Oh, God. And now she's probably like, fuck you, sugar pack. I own you. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, comforting that Taz is there. He's there. He could scare away any, like, coyotes or whatever that could come up on her. Mm -hmm. And she knows that his presence um, is is good for that reason. But she also knows that it is going to start to get freezing cold. And he won't really be able to help her fight off the cold uh, because her injuries are so bad mm -hmm. that if Taz got too close to her, like, try to snuggle up to her or something, uh, it would move her bones around. Oh, 
so uh. she wanted Taz to be right there and like try and keep her warm, but he had to just very lightly be like next to her. Right. He, she can't really like compress her body to his to keep warm. No, because she fucking can't move. Because her body's already compressed. <laughs> it's like <laughs> s- severed. Yeah. Um, so at this point, there's still hours left until the sun rises. The temperature keeps dropping. It's way below zero. Mm-hmm. She said, quote, it was bone chilling. It was like laying in a freezer. My feet were frozen and they got frostbite. Oh, ouch. I know. And frostbite, I mean, I think everyone knows about frostbite, but it just happens when your body is freezing. Your body um, it stops giving blood to like your lower extremities. To keep so, your core temperature up. Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, she was laying there in the freezing cold night, so her toes got, like, wicked frostbite. Oh. Uh, it... <laughs> My tootsies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, although frostbite was, like, starting to claim her toes, it would probably come for her fingers as well, but it's only the first stage. <laughs> I gotta say it like that. Because... It could come for your fingers next. She's, th- she's thinking about that. She's like, I yep. know my toes are frostbitten. Like, my fingers could be next, and it's only the first stage in onset of hypothermia, though, which is another thing she's worried about. She's like, fine, frostbite, that sucks, but I don't want to become hypothermic. Because then you die. Yes. So she knows, she knows this, she's thinking about this, and so she draws on her athletic training to help her survive the night. So she is, dude, I'm going to remind you for the 800th time, her skeleton is severed in two, and she has a shattered pelvis, so she knows that she can't do sit-ups. Um, cause she couldn't do any movement in her midsection. It was excruciating. Mm-hmm. So she settles on doing crunches to keep herself warm. Cause then it's just really like all the most that's coming up is like your shoulders. Yeah. You don't really have to do too much movement. Mm-hmm. So she lays there and she just starts doing crunches nonstop. Jesus Christ. She's doing crunches to keep herself warm. Uh, but she has had a hell, hell of a day. So she overworks herself and she starts to like really fatigue. Mm-hmm. And then um, she starts to worry that if she fatigues herself, especially in the state she's in, then she could pass out and ultimately fall asleep and then die of hypothermia. Yep. Which is what she's trying not to do. Yeah. So she tells herself that she has to find a pace that she needs to kind of make a crunch schedule. So <laughs> she schedule. goes through the entire night yeah. by doing one crunch every five seconds for six hours straight oh, that's still exhausting i know that's fucking insane she, she's just laying there every five seconds she's counting okay one crunch comes up and does that six hours straight willing herself to survive and make it through the night and she does okay she survives the night by doing crunches nonstop for six hours with a shattered oh. pelvis and <laughs> so painful she's wild so she's had all night to keep herself warm but also think about what her next steps will be Mm -hmm. so there she knows that there's about two miles between her and her truck and she decides that as soon as the sun rises she'll eat more of the sugar uh some of that sugar gel and she'll just keep working on dragging herself to safety so she figured she did it yesterday, then she can do it again, no problem. Mm-hmm. But she did not consider that her adrenaline is the reason that she got out. It wasn't like just the fact that she had to stop because she was tired, because she was working for five hours. The only reason she made it so far is because she had that giant adrenaline boost. Right. So she's 
being up also all night just doing crunches. Mm-hmm. So she's just like beyond worn out. Yeah. And she's now in like the worst pain she's ever been in. Like yesterday the pain was bad. But she's also just constantly putting her body through stuff. Yeah. Trying to stay alive though. Yeah. But like her body's like, fuck all of this. This hurts so much. Oh. And she's starting to also mentally be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, she's it's Danelle. She's like a superwoman. Yep. So she's also starting to feel a little bit helpless because mm-hmm. she's stuck in the canyon and she cannot move no matter how hard she tries. She said, quote, I would have rather had 20 people around me hitting me with a hammer. That would have been better than what I was going through. And that's when I started to think, maybe will someone someone will notice that I'm missing. Maybe someone will notice my truck is still parked there. End quote. She's like, I obviously have tried everything I can do to get out of here. I'm in excruciating pain. I'm stuck. Maybe someone will just realize oh i think i saw that truck yesterday or maybe someone will try and call her house and wonder why she's not answering Mm -hmm. but sadly for her she was living alone it was just her and taz no one was expecting to see her and no one was expecting to hear from her Mm -hmm. so in turn that means no one is looking for her because no one knows she's missing right she's completely alone in the desert like this is like she's like actually off the grid legit uncharted territory yeah and she is alone Mm-hmm. At this point, it's been 24 hours since her fall, and now she's facing a new danger dehydration. Oh no. The water bottle that she had with her is empty. But there is this small puddle next to her that she was kind of drinking from, but it was a struggle. It The water was silty. It was yeah, hard to oh. get the bottle the bottle into the water. Yeah. It was hard to get the water into the bottle to, for her to drink. Yeah. And then she was nervous about drinking too much water because she didn't want to, to pee on herself because then her clothes would be wet. And since it's so cold out there, they would freeze and then that would increase the risk of her getting hypothermia all right so she had just been holding it in oh and she is just going through it yeah that was a mouthful yeah yeah, she's running out of water but she doesn't want to be dehydrated she can drink out of this disgusting puddle but she's afraid of urinating herself and she's been holding it so she's already uncomfortable because she has a shattered pelvis don't forget never forget (laughs) people don't forget (laughs) really don't i don't let them so the day goes on. It's evening again. It's growing colder. And she wants to keep doing the crunches to keep her warm. But now she's feeling this like inflammation in her stomach. And it's sort of soft and it's sort of squishy. And she oh. describes it as this jelly roll saying, quote, if I tried to move, this jelly roll would move with me almost like a water balloon. And I remember thinking it's inflammation. I don't think it's inflammation. It's not inflammation. It's uh-huh. uh, a lot worse. Uh-oh. It's um, because of her shattered pelvis. It ruptured all of the blood vessels in her pelvic cavity. Oh. So she's been bleeding internally for a day and a half. Oh, my God. And this is going to, like, it, it has been starving her brain and other major organs of the oxygen that, sh- that they need to survive. Right. 
So she's also, through all of this, slowly bleeding to death. Oh, God. Internally. Yeah. So the nighttime is upon her again, and she's fighting to stay warm, but she's really struggling now. Um, she's She can't do the crunches to keep warm, and then she's also having a hard time staying in control and keeping calm because she's in a much worse mental state and physical state as well mm-hmm. than she was in the night before. Like, at least the night before, she was, she was still really hopeful and... Um, and determined to get out of there. Yeah, but now she's starting to realize the reality. Yeah, the, yeah. the reality, the gravity of it all. Like, yeah, like here's someone who's constantly pushing to the limit and knowing exactly where that limit is. Mm-hmm. And now she's on the other side of it. Exactly. Yeah. So she's struggling um, to do her crunches. I believe at this point she's just abandoned it like she can't do it it's too hard it hurts and now she's starting to hallucinate because of all of the blood loss and her fatigue yeah um quote i remember looking up at the stars and instead of them being these vivid stars where i could see the milky way all i could see were these stripes in the sky the second night was a lot harder the first night taz could could sort of cuddle up near me but the second night he didn't want to he would come check on me but he didn't cuddle up next to me i think he knew something was wrong his demeanor had changed a little he wanted to continue back on to the house and he kept looking at me like come on let's go back to a more comfortable spot the second night felt a lot colder to me too it felt long and cold oh that whole picture is just really like sad and scary to think about yeah because you're like the second night when it's so much worse for you like mentally physically emotionally yeah it's like that's when you would want your your dog your best friend and the dog is like almost scared at her, of her at this point like he could what tell you... the dogs are fucking smart yeah it, it he knew like looking at her like something's wrong and like this isn't like danelle this is not the danelle i know what is happening yeah he's like what what are we doing here right he's like yeah. bitch i'm cold and hungry because he's also been out there so he is also like finding puddles to drink from and stuff but he's probably really hungry too yeah what you hiding a jelly roll what is that (laughs) (laughs) jelly roll is that a swiss roll Mm. (laughs) in um something that is absolutely crazy that i didn't think of but um i heard in the show i shouldn't be i shouldn't be alive um it's crazy that she's out there all night in the cold and she to her it sucks she's like it's fucking freezing i want to get out of here but the cold is actually keeping her alive because her core body temperature is now so low that her metabolism is slowing dramatically therefore her blood pressure is dropping and in turn the the internal bleeding is slowing down so oh that's actually right really keeping her alive yeah even though it sucks to be freezing so you have to sort this- of weigh two horrible things like frostbite sucks but also i'm not gonna die this poor woman yet. can't catch a break because no. she's catching all the breaks yeah yeah, yeah 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 like everything that sucks is also saving her yes yeah so the cold is delaying her death but it is taking every bit <laughs> of delaying her death it is <laughs> it is delaying her death she's yeah. like on the edge right now like it's it's really scary yeah on the brink so it's it is delaying it um but it is taking every bit of her willpower not to fall asleep because she knows hypothermia would set in and lead to certain death. 
quote, I remember wanting to be at home in my bed where it was warm and comfortable and where I could sleep. I had been awake this whole time and I was starting to get the sleep monsters where I wanted to sleep, but I knew I had to stay awake. I still kept hoping somebody would notice that I was missing. The reality of the situation was that I was in the middle of nowhere and nobody knew where I was. Oh God, it's going to fucking be so crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But thanks to like her endurance training and her extraordinary willpower, Danelle survives her second night in the desert. God damn it, this woman is unkillable. Right, most people wouldn't even have survived one night. The yeah, last two month, people specifically. She's she's out here surviving <laughs> two nights. She's like, yeah. oh, I see her one night, and I raise you two. Yeah, and yeah. I'm actually gonna make it out of here. Yeah, I'm even gonna live during the day, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> two nights and two days. Uh, so it's technically like on to day three now. Yep. So um, it's really scary, though, like to bring it back down because it, she's uh, she's on the brink. She's not yeah, going to be able to survive to another night. Yeah. There's three pints of blood that have seeped into her pelvic cavity. Oh. And she's becoming much weaker. She knows that she has to get out of this canyon, but no one knows that she's there. So she decides to try to drag herself out again, despite everything. Oh, I'm just imagining the, the three pints of blood. Three pints you. of blood in uh, contained in inside of your just fucking ruptured. I'd be so scared of cat. crawling. Yeah, but she's like, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. And do that damn thing. Meanwhile. It's day three now, and Danelle's family and friends have been calling her home, and obviously she hasn't been answering, so they did alert the Moab police the previous night that she was missing. So that morning, um, day three of Danelle being out there, an officer went over to Danelle's house to check on her. They saw that there were lights on inside of her home, her laptop is on, it's open, it's on the table, but her truck is gone and has been gone. So there's, since there's been no sign of, of her for a couple of days, um, they decide to really look into it. Like, okay, people are calling and saying that she's missing. Um, it looks like she up and left, but has never returned. So one of the detectives, this guy named Craig Shumway, is, he's familiar with Danelle and he knows that she trains in the Amasa back area. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of on a whim is like, I'm gonna head over there. Uh, just to check things out. I'll see if I if I see anything. Maybe her truck's there. Okay. Um, so since tr- we're going to go back to Danelle, since trying to move earlier when she wakes, finally is like the sun has risen and she's like, fuck, I have no choice. I'm going to try and drag myself out of here again. Right. She had only been able to move three inches and it had been hours and she was now stuck. Quote, it wasn't even a pothole. It was just a change in direction in the rock. And I couldn't even get myself out of it. Oh, my God. So it's it's like just the tiniest, tiniest little like groove that yep. the rock changed directions. And she got stuck in that because uh, she's so tired and her jelly roll is so big. Yeah. Oh, so gosh, the jelly she, roll. It's so gross. It's yeah. It's just three pints. Just sitting in there. Oh uh, yeah, moving you're just with you a, like a water balloon. You're just a bloody water balloon. Yeah. Ugh. She literally described herself as a, a water balloon. It felt like a water balloon. 
So she's lost so much blood. Her organs, including her brain, are running out of oxygen. And she's still alive because of the amazing shape that she was in. Mm -hmm. She is an incredible athlete. Uh, She was in peak physical condition. And she was used to training and pushing herself to the limit. And this is the only reason that her body was able to hang on for so long. But it's three days now. And she needs medical help ASAP. Yeah, no kidding. Like two days ago. Yeah. ASAP. So she has started to hyperventilate really bad. She could barely breathe. Oh, she was starting. Her so it hurt. I know. Oh. She was starting to lose her vision. When she moved her head to look around, it was just this blur of her surroundings. No details or anything. She couldn't focus on anything, um, and she would have to focus really hard for her vision to even return. So when it would return, if she looked around to see like. If anyone was around, if Taz was still there, it would just be this like whooshing, like blur of just the canyon. Her her brain just can't do simple things anymore. No, her brain yeah. has, is completely depleting of oxygen. Oh. Uh, it, but when she would focus really hard for the vision to return, um, she would become very disoriented and sick. So she made the painstaking decision to just turn around an inch back to that little puddle of water. Uh, She had now been out there in the canyon for 50 hours and was feeling more and more defeated. No kidding. So she, like I had said, she had gotten onto her stomach. She was going to try and crawl out of the canyon, drag herself out. Mm -hmm. She got stuck on that little lip. Um, She couldn't get over it. So she decided it's better to just keep next to the the water source at least mm-hmm. so she just uh, painstakingly dragged herself back Ugh. to the puddle which would also feel defeating because it going back into where you had just worked so hard to come from mm-hmm. and yeah. the puddle is disgusting you're like this is all i have this gross dirty puddle silty water mm-hmm. Ugh. she said quote i got myself back into the spot and i just laid on my back and started crying and started to lose hope Taz came over to me and started licking my tears, and I was so sad. I didn't know what was going to happen to him. There wasn't anyone that was going to take care of him. I was going to miss playing with Taz, miss being able to run with him and to do the things I love to do. And that's when I still can't talk about it. And she started crying at this point in the interview. So Detective Craig Shumway makes it to the Amasabak area and sees Danelle's truck. Bingo. I had to say bingo because I said it in the show. (laughs) Of course you did. It shows this like what you would picture this like Utah sheriff detective looking guy rolling up into the desert, sees this black truck, hands on his hips and just goes, bingo. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So I had to keep that for a little levity. I appreciate it. So he's like, bingo, found that truck. And a search and rescue operation is launched, and within an hour of the discovery of Danelle's truck, the Grand County Utah Search and Rescue Team mobilizes. So, John Marshall, I talked about him in the beginning. He's the one that said Danelle was hard to kill. Yep. So, John Marshall, he's in charge of the search efforts. So, apparently, uh, members of the search and rescue unit sort of rotate and take turns being the lead on rescue and recovery missions. And this day, it just happened to be his day, and he was already familiar with Danelle. So the entire mission took a new meaning to him, and quote, 
instantly in my mind, the story completely changed. We are not going for looking for a lost tourist, somebody who just wandered off of the trail. We are looking for somebody who's got more backcountry experience than your average John Doe on the street. And if this person's been missing in the backcountry for two, two and a half days, they're not just lost. This person is in some serious trouble. She really lucked out that it was someone that already knew her. Isn't that crazy? And was like, yeah, this is this is someone who does this really well. She's probably gone balls to the walls on mm-hmm. this, so don't check the regular stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like she's an endurance athlete she's like backcountry training she's literally for a living goes out into the desert mm-hmm. and like if she's just mia something's so wrong right now yeah um also john really knows he has a flair for the dramatics eh he really does <laughs> yeah i kind of dig john <laughs> so um like i had said earlier danelle's amazing physical condition is really what helps keep her alive for these two days but mm-hmm. um i had also said that her mental health was really taking a toll yeah um, quote i was pretty close to dying at this point and i had lost hope that anybody would find me end quote mm-hmm. um and it's cold it's uh freezing she's lost her willpower and she knows that her chance of surviving another night are pretty much non-existent yeah so she decides that um she is going to um, relieve herself because she's been holding it in for two and a half days. Okay. Oh, God. And Just the thought of having to pee for two and a half days I know. is aggravating. <laughs> yes. It makes yeah. my teeth hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that she couldn't hold it in anymore. It's been two and a half days. She didn't really care because she just thought that she was dying and like she was she was about to die out there unless an absolute miracle happens yeah and she somehow managed to be saved she's like fuck holding this in anymore like i'm done anyway there's no way i'm surviving and the jelly rolls started to slowly disappear oh my god imagine (laughs) no that was three pints of blood for sure yeah quote that's when i started to think about my life and everything that i had did and everything that i still wanted to do And I thought about my family and my friends and how much they meant to me. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, I was. I was dying. Taz was there with me. He was all I had at that point. And I said to him, Taz, I'm hurt. I need help. Can you go get help? And he just turned around and he took off. End quote. I got goosebumps. (laughs) He understood. And just, that's your companion. You don't want to be alone and in the desert so it was this this was a huge decision for her because by sending taz away she was pretty much accepting the fact that she was about to just die alone mm-hmm. but he did listen she was like go and get me help and he was like roger 10-4 and just turned around and ran out of the canyon so john marshall the flair for dramatics has really good quotes guy yeah and he's part of the search and rescue, so he sees Taz at the bottom of the canyon heading straight toward the search party. Mm-hmm. And as Taz is racing towards them, John is fearing the worst. He said, quote, I know my dog would never leave my side as long as I have a pulse. So to see her dog at the bottom of the canyon, my heart dropped. This can't be a good sign. The dog has left his master. And yeah. But Taz is still running up right for them. He reaches the top of the canyon at the same time the rest of the team rescue team shows up. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like run up to anyone in particular, like looking for attention or food. He's mm-hmm. just kind of running around like 
uh, pacing the area. Like he just is just trying to get everyone on board and, and get everyone. He's trying attention. to like rally them up like yeah, sheep, like yeah, he's hurting he's them. hurting them. He yeah. actually is. So this guy named Bego Gerhardt, he's an experienced tracker and he knows the Amasa outback really well. So that's why he's a part of this search and rescue effort. Mm-hmm. So John thinks that Taz can lead them to Danelle because he watched him just randomly appear from the canyon. Mm-hmm. So he sends Bego down the trail in the ATV. Bego said, quote, Usually you're going to look for somebody who's just out after dark or they broke their ankle and you pretty much you pretty much know where they are but this was a full on search within 20 square miles which is huge in this country with all of the canyons and cliffs 20 square miles can take a long time to cover end quote and even though they were pressed for time and they knew that they had to save Danelle ASAP Bego had to be very thorough. He had to search slowly. He had to make sure that he didn't miss any clues or tracks. So each time there was this like CND part or somewhere that looked like the there could have been tracks to follow, mm-hmm. he'd get off he'd get off his ATV, he'd check. Um, and it was just this very painstaking process of really examining what he was looking at. Yeah. But then finally, he came upon a set of tracks that looked like they were about two days old. And it was a set of running shoes and some little paw prints. Oh. Back at the search and rescue base, John was certain Taz was trying to tell him something. He was running around trying to get everyone's attention. Like you said, Dyson is kind of like he was hurting them, like trying Mm -hmm. to hurt them. Um, So Taz finally, like maybe, I don't want to say gave up, but like was done with trying to get their attention. So he ran away and just disappeared into the desert. And -hmm. John was looking through his binoculars and saw him reappear at the top of the canyon, the same way that he had originally come from. So he was headed back for the Amasa back trail where it was likely that Danelle was. So John radios Bego to say, yo, Taz is headed your way and let him pass to see where he's going and then follow him. I'm just thinking of how absolutely insane it is that like how absolutely lucky she is that if she sent her dog the day before or the first day, no one would have been there. That's right. They they just happened to be here for this last day. Yeah, that is so crazy how so it all lucky. works out. Yeah. Man, I bet she had a real strong Jupiter that day. <laughs> Staff, are you listening? What was Danelle's Jupiter like? Yeah. It, luck was on her side for sure. Um. So yeah, he's like, I don't know if it's Bego or Bego, but I like saying Bego. Yeah, so, I, I like that too. Bego. So he's like, dude, Bego. the dog's coming at you. Just let him do his thing. Follow him and just see where he goes. Okay. And Bego's like 10-4, looks over his shoulder and he sees Taz appear. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right. Um, he's going up straight up of that trail. I'll follow him and I'll just maybe see, I'll follow him for a couple of minutes, see where he's headed and like, whatever, what do we have to lose? It's it's really our last chance at this point. There's mm-hmm. so much square miles to cover. Nightfall's coming. This dog's our last chance. Yeah. Um. So... 
it's uh, starting to get colder, and like I said, and now they have a heavy snowfall forecasted. Oh, fuck right off. Yes. So Bego follows Taz, but as they make their way deeper into the canyon, because remember, this isn't a mapped trail. Mm -hmm. Uh, The trail becomes rougher, so he can't uh, ride his ATV on it. Right. So he's getting scared that him just going on foot pursuing the dog, that he'll lose sight of Taz. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, Danelle is still laying at the bottom of the canyon. She's injured. She's basically resigned to the fact that she's going to die. She has no idea that search and rescue are looking for her and that Taz is actually leading someone to her. Yeah. which is so fucking insane it's crazy i keep getting goosebumps it's so crazy like this fucking dog is amazing yeah uh so taz gets to danelle ahead of bago obviously and danelle immediately senses a change in his demeanor Mm -hmm. quote next thing you know taz came up and he came right by me and straight to the puddle and started drinking from my puddle and i remember thinking that's my lifeline that's the only water i got can't you find a different puddle taz (laughs) but I couldn't say that to him. And I yeah. just pet him a few times and let him drink from the puddle. His yeah. de- his demeanor had changed a little. He had seemed to get a little more energy back. And then he licked my face again and he was wagging his tail a little bit. And it was sad for me to see this happy little dog that I was never going to be with. End quote. Oh. I know. Yeah. So while she's thinking about how much she'll miss Taz and how great he is and she loves him... And it's just letting the dog drink from her only puddle because she's like, dude, I'm about to die anyway. Drink from the puddle. She hears this other sound nearby and she just decides to start yelling for help again. Mm-hmm. I, I say again because, quote, I wasn't hopeful. I had been screaming for help for 50 hours straight. No one had come to help me, end quote. But the, it's a really good thing that she was like, last chance, whatever. I'm just going to start screaming. Yep. Uh. Bego was nearby and thinking about turning around because oh. he didn't know where Taz was. <laughs> then she started screaming. Yeah. So he knew that the yelling was Danelle. Like, who else would it be? Yeah. Uh, so he started making his way over. And because the road was too trash for the ATV, he had, he had ditched it and he was just sort of running aimlessly following the screaming yeah and from danelle's perspective she hears the engine cut up cut away and she thinks that the person has left but she keeps screaming and begging for help using every ounce of strength that she has left yeah hoping that they'll turn back but bego didn't run away he just couldn't use the atv anymore so he He was was actually shutting it off yeah he was on foot running and he says that he'll never forget the blood curdling screams getting louder and louder as he neared her yeah he finally found Danelle and she said, and she says, quote, it was the best moment of my life because I knew right then that I was going to get a second chance. I knew I was going to make it. And then Bego had said, it was quite emotional because not very often do you go on a rescue where somebody's life is quite literally on the edge. The look on her face was one of relief. And then Danelle had said that, quote, he looked at me and said, You've got one good dog. And I just started crying. I just laid there and started crying. Oh, my God. So She does have one good fucking dog, though. Oh Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, that dog. Steaks every night. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Taz, man. Love that. Love that fucking dog. So John, the flirt for dramatics rescue guy, quote, 
Taz certainly did make the difference in shaving hours and perhaps even days off of finding Danelle. And in this rescue, she didn't have days or hours to be spared. She was on the brink as it was. Mm-hmm. End quote. And then Danelle said, quote, I knew Taz was a smart dog, but to do what he did, this was a whole other level of communication. My dog was taking care of me instead of me taking care of him. I look back on it now and I am so grateful. He's truly my best friend. Danelle is finally saved after 56 hours spent in the desert. She was airlifted to the hospital and she undergoes emergency surgery to repair the shattered vessels that had pumped three pints of blood into her pelvic cavity. Oh. 56 hours. Yeah. She didn't sleep. She oh, just did crunches. She didn't sleep. She had to pee. Four, she just did a fuck ton of crunches. Cold as shit. She's got frostbite. Yep. She does. Their um, dog drank from her own puddle. Yeah, she's like, "Damn it, Taz!" But she's like, "I couldn't tell him that. I just pet him instead." Yeah, she's gonna fucking die, and she's still like, "I love you, dog." Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> um. So yeah, emergency surgery to repair the severed vessels that pumped three pints of blood into her pelvic cavity. Then there is the six-hour operation to pin her shattered pelvis back together. Mm-hmm. Six-hour operation. Woof. Yep. So all of the doctors and surgeons were saying it is amazing that she was alive. They they were like, this is insane. I don't know how she has survived 56 hours out there. Yeah. Uh, she, had a, she had a massive amount of blood loss. There was the hypothermia, the frostbite. And with all of that combined, she, she, she should have never made it through the first night. Right, yeah, Somehow, exactly. the super fucking Wonder Woman it's survived just, two nights. Yeah, just because she's fucking superhuman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her frostbite was so bad that every toe and parts of her feet were black. Ew. But amazingly, the color slowly returned to her toes and feet, and her feet were fine. Nice. What are you... <laughs> Kobe st- is climbing into the bag. <laughs> Kobe! <laughs> now he's pretending like he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And he's going to hide his face, even though his whole body is showing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, amazingly, she her feet were fine. Just yeah. as she was recovering from surgery, laying in her hospital bed, just, each day the color would slowly come back. Just another thing she just lucks out on. Like, it's like <laughs> not even losing a toe. Nope. Yeah. The one thing that she, she was worried about, though, was that the injuries to her pelvis were extensive, like beyond. And the doctors all were like pretty certain that she would never be able to walk again, mm-hmm. which is really a devastating thought for a woman who is an endurance athlete. Yeah, her climbs fucking life, mountains for fun. Yeah, her whole life is long distance running, sky running, snowshoeing, and you're telling her that she might never walk again. Mm-hmm. But like, you know what I'm going to tell you, right? I think so. It's Danelle. Yep. After rehabilitation for a couple of months... That's it. She was running again. Jesus Christ. Doesn't even get a year. No, a couple months. They're like, oh, this will be a real long haul for you to even maybe be able to walk. She's like, "Mm, no, 
couple months and yeah. rehab's painful as fuck too but this is the same person she who she likes it i think yeah she disconnected her fucking body into two and Severed she started crying skeleton. or cr- crawling well she was crying too she, she started crawling she, hey, she didn't cry until like day two yeah yeah she, she was just like girl let's go <laughs> <laughs> her dog's slapping her in the face like you're gonna get out there you're gonna kill him <laughs> So, a couple months, she's fine, she's up, she's running again, and you know who she's got by her side. Trusty little sidekick, Taz. Oh, yeah. And she even uh, briefly resumed competition after recovering. So nothing stops this girl, you know? That's fucking insane. Another uh, worry was that with all of the damage done to her pelvis and all of the, you know, workings down there as a woman, you Mm -hmm. do run the risk of having complications with getting pregnant and having children mm-hmm. she went on to have her first child not long after this and she said quote my son is really a gift in every moment with him i appreciate and i think i appreciate him even more knowing that he may never have been here if it wasn't for taz and all of the people that were there to help me survive that experience mm-hmm and so that's what she said about her first son. She did go on to have another child not long after. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I think it's two sons, but I'm not positive. I know one is a son. Mm-hmm. And then since 2008, she has organized the Moab Trail Marathon, which takes the same path where she had her accident. Oh, my God. She's fucking just insane. I know. I love <laughs> this woman. And in two. 2012 2012 she was inducted into the colorado running hall of fame you know kidding and i just hope that she's happy she's healthy she's living her best life with her little family i hope taz has lived forever and that's the story of danelle balangi well it's the story of taz and taz is a <laughs> part of it taz is a little hero here too i hope he has a cape oh yeah he for has sure a cape. At least an ascot. Oh, oh so cute. <laughs> I'll show you a picture of Taz. All right. This is a little poop doo. He's like, um, he's a mutt, I think, but he he's so cute. Hit me with it. Why are you the way that you are? I don't know. Why you keep asking me that? Not you. <laughs> this is Danelle and Taz. Oh, my God. Look at him. He's so floofy. He's very floofy. He's a little rescue puppy. He's like, I don't know. What what do you think? He kind of looks like he has some shepherd in him. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like a bit retriever too. I can't tell. I'm terrible with this. He's so handsome. He's a beautiful boy. Yeah. We'll post pictures like always. You can see Taz in all his glory. Of course. Um. So, yeah. Photoshop I mean... a cape on him. Okay. <laughs> So, hope you enjoyed that story. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, and thank you for 10,000 all-time downloads, dudes. Look, whoa. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it it's is. like, guys, it's like crazy. You're crazy. Y'all wild. You guys are crazy. Crazy. So, make sure that you are subscribed wherever you're listening right now. And if you didn't rate the show at the beginning when we gave you a little chance to and politely ask that you did, just uh, take a moment and go and do that. Rate the show five stars. 
You can follow us on Instagram where we will post photos uh, related to all of the episodes we talk about. But go go there, check out some of the photos of Danelle and Taz. Who doesn't want to see a like actual hero pup? Like, come on. Yeah. Go look at him. He's beautiful. I love him. Taz, I'm going to kiss you on your head. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, anyway, yeah. Just uh, you can also visit our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. That's mm-hmm. where you can buy a patch. Thanks again, Stephen, for buying a patch. Everyone listen to Spoils of Horror. If you're listening right now, that means you listened earlier where you heard their uh, promo. It's a mm-hmm. great podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. They have episodes every Wednesday. I religiously wait. And as soon as I, it's Wednesday, I go on my balcony, drink my coffee, listen to Spoils of Horror, and I laugh out loud m- multiple times every episode. <sighs> he got so worked up. <laughs> I love that show. I know. <laughs> Tune in next week when we uh, stay in the States. We aren't in Utah, though. I think we're going to Colorado. All right. But we've been in Colorado a lot this episode, too. But anyway, I think we're going to Colorado. Whoops, if we aren't. Uh, for the Springford murders. So, woo, murder. <laughs> on the dark side. Bye. She was born in Harbor City, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles, California. Yay. Uh, sorry. She's... And within an hour of the discovery of Danelle's truck, the Grand Contact... Con- con- The look on her face was one of relief. Mm-hmm. And then Danelle had said that he looked at her and said, Oh, gross. Did you piss yourself? Oh, my God. God. <laughs> 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 I have to cut that. Oh. <laughs> Put it in a blooper. <laughs> <laughs>